So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward slash Ravens. <laughs> oh, don't, don't, don't mind me. How are you? <laughs> Just a little Cheers. Pretend, pretend tea over there. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Man, for our audio only audience, they're thinking to themselves, what What are you guys possibly doing? I am having myself a cup of tea, celebrating a Ravens victory here in my hotel lobby in downtown London. It has been the joy these last couple of days, Sarah, and we're here now, what we hoped we would be uh, having the opportunity to do, and that is talking about a win. Of course, they needed one in bounce-back fashion coming off the loss of the Steelers. But as you know well, even more importantly, maybe just in terms of the psyche when it comes to the London International Series based on what happened in 2017, the Ravens needed to put that behind them as well. And they did exactly that today in London at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in front of 61,000-plus. 24-16 was the final. There were people from all over the globe there, Sarah. And it was such a... Unique experience. Uh, the UK loves its American football. I, I was reminded <laughs> of that today. It was a whole lot of fun. And, and ultimately, it was one of those classic, like, what's the classic Harbaugh phrase, right? It's not pretty. It's, it's certainly not perfect. It's far from perfect. But it's us. And through six weeks, us is good enough for a 4-2 and two record. Well, watching from home, it definitely felt like it was more of a home game uh, over the Titans, uh, even though it was technically their home game. You could definitely see that the Ravens traveled. Uh, I'm sure the UK Ravens made everybody feel comfortable there. You yourself. I know we can get all into that after the game analysis and all of that. But yeah, no, it wasn't pretty. It was... um, it could have been. It could have been. I don't know what's happened to the red zone offense when the Ravens went yeah. from number one in the first three weeks and then was one of seven, I believe, uh, there in London. Uh, moving the ball, definitely moving the ball. I feel like the Ravens have gotten off to a hot start on offense almost every week, yeah. only to uh, twice implode. It looked like it was going to be that same fate again today that they might implode but luckily they dug in I thought on all three phases they dug in to make sure to stop that implosion to get the momentum back uh referees you better believe we're getting into that because there was some crazy stuff going on there but yeah so the defense made stops when they need to I feel like most of the time when the when the defense gave up plays it was because of the refs uh they did give up one touchdown that was off of the red zone interception from Lamar to uh Bateman the, the the offense moved the ball but couldn't knock it in. And then you had Justin Tucker, Devin Duvernay, and then the the hands team coming up big in special teams. So 
you like the win, you like it much better, the outcome much better than the last time the Ravens traveled to London. So you count your blessings in that way. Still some work to do, but we will take this win. Yeah, let's hit the podium for some opening statements from both John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson on the win in London. Heck of a week capped off by a really great football game. Uh, appreciate the uh, Titans. That's a tough, hard-nosed, competitive team, well-coached, and they played that way today. It was an exciting game, and uh, we're very, very pleased to come away with a win. I'm proud of our guys. I thought our guys fought through a lot of adversity in that game, some controllable, some not, and, uh, and they managed to find a way to close it at the end. The defense closed it at the end with the stop down there, uh, and then with the hands team to close it at the end. Offensively, to go down there and get that drive and get that three, that three points was massive. Some massive three points uh, at the end there in that uh, final drive in the fourth quarter. So just happy with our guys. I think Lamar Jackson played played one of the most courageous games I've ever seen. Uh, just continues to do that. So many areas that we can continue to improve, but so many individual efforts that I, we could we could run a list of here of guys. And I just did in the locker room. So if you get a chance to watch that, you'll have the list. But uh, proud of our guys. We're looking forward now to getting back home. We have a tough game against the Lions at home, who's playing very well this year. So uh, we'll be getting prepared for that. Uh, it was phenomenal. Uh, the atmosphere was crazy. I think I heard a lot of Ravens fans in the crowd. Uh, even though it was Tennessee home, I, I believe our fans went crazy. That's what I believe. Great, crazy atmosphere. 61,000-plus, like I mentioned, p- uh, packed the stadium. And having been in there, I think it was pretty balanced for the most part. Uh, but, you know, it's funny. I tweeted it out earlier in the week that I'd been here for like 48-plus hours. And I, I could probably count on one hand. I could definitely count on one hand at the time how many Tennessee fans that I'd seen around town. Now, of course, that's leaving out the context of saying, like, well, maybe they just weren't wearing their merch around town. But the point, point is, Ravens fans traveled extremely well. Now, what about the adjective that Harbs used there for his guy? Courageous performance. Hyperbole much, or are you buying that? <laughs> uh, it felt like a bit of hyperbole. In fact, I'm trying to bring it up now. It seems like Lamar's getting um, a little bit of some flack from fantasy owners. Um, Lamar finished uh, 21 of 30, 223 yards, one touchdown to Zay, and then the one interception to Bateman. Uh, so he finished with an 88.6 quarterback rating. He did add 13 rushing attempts for 16 yards, or excuse me, 62 yards, <laughs> 62 yards and and not a touchdown. So it sounds like some people were coming after Lamar on Twitter because he tweeted just a few moments ago, ago boy, I-D-G-A-D. I don't give a darn about your parlay <laughs> or fantasies. I'm trying to win. Hashtag great team win. Hashtag trust. So I think where Harbaugh, even though I do think it was a bit of hyperbole, what I think what Harbaugh is referring to and I is that Lamar down the stretch came up with plays that the Ravens absolutely had to do. I said in the beginning that the Ravens looked like they were going to implode there in the second half, and, it, and that started with his interception to, to Bateman in the red zone, and that was the only touchdown coming off that. That was the only touchdown that the Ravens' defense gave up all day long. Uh, and so you thought it was going to be an implosion, but then I felt like Lamar came up, to, to, to Harbaugh's point, some massive first down. So I said in weeks past, I was like, it's one thing to have a mistake, right? You have a mistake, you throw an interception, or somebody has a fumble or whatever. What a, what a good team will do is not let those mistakes snowball. And that's what I felt like they did in their two losses. They just let it snowball. This time, they didn't let it snowball. And part of that is Lamar, like, he ran a couple of those first downs were unreal. 
Oh. Bobby, just unreal when things Seeing are breaking down. It's yeah. unbelievable. Oh, and we've all watched I'm, Lamar in person at some point throughout his career. At least most of us have, and I have as well. But it's been a couple of years since I've been in the press box. It's electric. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's that's a perfect word for it. Like, I'm just like, uh, at home, I'm like, oh, uh, you know, trying to like talk Effortless, yeah, too, he, mind you. It's it's unreal. And so not only did he have those runs, which those were kind of being spoiled by because he does it so often, even in year six. But I thought the big play was the seam pass down to Mark Andrews. And that is what you have to do in the fourth quarter. If you don't want guys, the defense is, you know, breaking down on you and just like pinning their ears back, you have to hit one of those big pass plays. And that's what they did there. And kudos to Mark. I thought he ran a great route to get himself open. Lamar hit him in stride with pressure all around him. So that's where I think I think Harbaugh was talking about. Like it was courageous to get those first downs when they absolutely needed it. And I'm sure he's like Harbs is like sweating over there on the on the sideline. I'm sure being like somebody come up for a play for me because I can't do this again. So maybe that's where he's coming from with the courageous stuff. But yeah, statistically Lamar didn't have like this amazing amazing game. But to his point, he's just trying to win. And I thought Lamar in the first half. I mean, he was on it. He was like, his timing was great. He was controlling the line. There are a couple of times he hit some checks and he hit those checks. It went for long plays. The big one to OBJ, I think for 32, there was another one. So I thought Lamar was in control, had that hiccup in the third quarter and then came, came back and, and did what he had to do to, to get those first downs. Good to see Odell in the box score, mixing it up a little bit. Good to see him out there with some positive yardage and whatnot. L- Lamar's final Stat sheet reads as follows. In the air, 21 of 30 as a passer, 223 yards, a touchdown. That pick that you referenced, uh, a quarterback rating of 88.6 on the ground, 13 carries, 62 yards, uh, long of 12. And we all know that one touchdown went to his guy. It was Zay's day, Sarah, in London. Zay Flowers, his first career NFL touchdown, did so in front of an international audience. And you know Harbs was loving that post game. We all were because his smile is contagious. He was up and he must have jumped 10 feet up in the air to belly bump Lamar right after it. Cool moment for him in front of an international stage. And here's Harbs on that. Great question. For Zay, Zay's obviously made so many uh, nice plays for us and he didn't have a touchdown yet. He's only a rookie, but we're pretty far into the season. It took game six for him to get his first touchdown to see it. I just had visions of, of, of future touchdowns. You know, when I saw that, I was like, okay, now it's, it's like the analogy my dad always makes. It's like uh, olives. You ever open up an olive jar? And you open and you go like that, and what happens with an olive jar? Do the olives just come pouring out? They don't, right? They don't come out. What do you got to do? You got to get the first one out, right? And once you get the first one out, the rest of them pour out. So hopefully that was Zay's first olive, and there will be many more to come. That's, that's funny. Uh, his brother was, was great, you know, great. Um, when we was little kids, like even in high school, his brother was, they used to call his brother Joystick. And I told him, like, you have to steal that name because you're different. You know, win the league now, so you got to take that name from him. He is I gotta play with man. <laughs> I got to play with the olive jars more often, Bobby. I, I, I don't think I <laughs> is it just realized me that. Or, as Harbs ages, right? I think he just turned 61 a, a short while ago. He's coming up with more of those like dad sayings, those grandfather kind of <laughs> wisdom sayings, you know, that that was hilarious. It was hilarious, but I, I mean, it, it was, I was very happy to see Zay get that touchdown. I mean, 
he he was very involved, like he always is. So he had now, as Brett Coleman pointed out on Twitter, Zay Flowers is on pace for 100 catches mm. as a rookie. Okay, mm. the record for a rookie catches is 104 yeah. by Jalen Waddle just a few years back. So he's so he's got a shot. And then uh, Kyle Barber, he also put out, you know, he has that he's on track for 99 catches. It's however you do the math and round up but also on pace for 1,039 yards. There's, there's no doubt he's wide receiver one. He's, he's, he's the one yes. producing like it. Yes. And when I quote tweeted one of these things, I think it was Brett's, I was thinking of your preseason prediction. You are going to be all over it in terms of what <laughs> Zay has meant to this team, at least through uh, six weeks of football now. Like, he is wide yeah. receiver one. He has been as advertised. He and Lamar have instant chemistry, seemingly. That's what we've seen. And 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 he's able to do the street ball that we've seen from him and Mark Andrews over the years together as a as a tandem. Right. But but just to see him get in the end zone finally and, and cash in for all the work that he's meant, both when he's we've already talked about the impact that he has when he's not involved in plays too, whether it's in motion, decoy, you name it. Uh, he is somebody that you have to account for, play in and play out. So I was thrilled for Zay. And, uh, you know, it's crazy. I, I thought about texting you at, at the half, and I got a little excited in the opening quarter. I, I was hadn't really been to an NFL game in a long time. And so walking into this place, Sarah, it just took my breath away. I mean, it was an incredible stadium, open-air stadium. Place was massive, buzzing. Sweet Caroline was playing on the way, and I'm like, where am I? <laughs> so, But what I was going to text you at halftime – before my phone, so I got excited because my phone ended up, I was doing the Instagram live, Facebook live, everything. So my phone ended up almost dying. And I was like, I need to talk to you post game. So I can't keep doing this. So anyway, what I would have texted you was, wow, this feels eerily similar to a week ago. Dominating on the ground, dominating statistically, right? But they can't put this team away. They're letting them hang around. They're, they're, the score doesn't necessarily uh, reflect what I'm seeing in the box score. And then the second half begins and the putrid third quarter takes place. And I'm like, here we go again. Like, they're going to blow this thing again against a team that is far, far less superior. But ultimately, they got it done. We're going to talk about the defense in just a bit because I tell you what, so far the early reviews, wouldn't you say, on, on a couple of the 30-plus-year-old pass rushers and, and Jadavian Clowney and, and Kyle Van Noy have, have worked out pretty well for EDC. They have one more thing before we flip over to the defense, because that's that's definitely to me uh, like a the substance of where this game really comes from. Um, I felt like I, I just felt like the offensive line didn't get the push that it needed to today. I felt like the ground game was a bit stagnant. Again, Lamar Jackson was the leader in rush yards. Gus, uh, 16 attempts for 41 yards, only 2.6 an average. Gus is the guy that in the past has always been like eating it up per average. It just, there wasn't a lot of push. And I felt like, I felt like Todd Munkin kind of um, did the opposite of last week. I felt like the Ravens were criticized for not running Gus more in the red zone, which again, th this kind of thing gets old for sure. It feels like every year it's like, oh, you should run more. Oh, you should pass more as if it's like, you know, easy to, to do. But I do feel like he may have overcorrected a little bit. Um, because they were saying, you know, run, 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 you have Gus and you're not running up, you know, in the red zone or inside the five. 
And then today I felt like he did that. And everybody's like, why aren't you passing more? You know, yada, yada, yada. So, but, but part of it is though, I think what you can, even though you can kind of do 2020 hindsight, a bit of it is a little bit like, can you get a feel for the game? And I just felt like the offensive line wasn't getting a push, even when they used Mark Andrews on that fake sneak, like he really didn't get much uh, room to run. So it was more like it was again, Lamar kind of making it happen when things broke down or on the, um, on the option. So, uh, so I didn't feel like the offensive line was getting much. And, you know, uh, Bart Scott over the weekend, Bobby, you may have seen, I tweeted out, Bart Scott was saying he wanted to see the Ravens trade for Saquon Barkley. I don't know if that's an actual option. I don't know that if he's on the, 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 um, on the deck, if he's really available, this or that. But I saw it, a lot of people say, no, the Ravens are fine. The Ravens are fine at running back. They need help at pass rush. And the, the danger of taking things week by week is it was the pass rush that came alive today, which we're going to get into. And it was the running backs that I just felt like wasn't weren't getting anything. Justice Hill, he had about 4.4 yards. They never gave Keaton Mitchell. Keaton Mitchell was active uh, today. Mostly special teams. Um, didn't see him get a carry. Uh, so, so the running game does need some help. And I would like to see, again, we just is the first time since week one that we saw the five offensive line together. But they're going to have to get more push and get things going if we want to get the run game going. But yeah, let's go ahead and flip. O- Unless you have anything to add, we can flip over to the defensive side. Well, you're right. I'm, I'm glad you brought up Keaton, right? I think a lot of folks were hoping that they could see him in the backfield a little bit. This was the first time that he was active so far, right? Undrafted mm-hmm. rookie showed out in the preseason. I think average like six yards a carry. Yes, it's the preseason, but we all kind of agree that he, he deserves a chance, right? Especially during a day where you're trying to get your, your run game outside of Lamar sparked. To your point, mm-hmm. so hopefully that that time is coming, and I think while 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 Bart, I, I get where he's coming from. I'd like to see them see what they have in Keaton before you make a big decision like that. That's a big time acquisition for a guy who is unquestionably going to make any team better. But let's see what you have in, in a guy who who showed out in preseason and right now. I, I don't. W- would you rather have running back help right now? or potential help in the secondary that you could do before the November 1st deadline. Because to me, I'm going the latter, I think. I, I know Geno Stone uh, came in today and, and continues to fill in admirably when, when asked upon and when his number is called. Picks off Ryan Tannehill, like we mentioned. Huge, huge play in the game. Marcus Williams, we know, is is down. The guy is, just, is gutting through. He can't stay healthy, unfortunately. Now he's dealing with what, – what, what's he dealing with now on top of the pectoral? Do you remember? Ham, hamstring. Oh, the guy is hobbling around, man. He's he's trying his best to stay available. Uh, To me, I I would like to see an acquisition to boost the secondary a little bit as a shot in the arm. What about you? Well, I don't think you can look at it. I I, I don't think you can look at it as like, oh, the Ravens need the most help in position X, Y, or Z. I don't think that's how trades work. Um, I think that I think that the Ravens could use help at running back. I really do. Because I don't think that the Ravens have, even when the offensive line is going well, I think Gus Edwards is definitely solid, and I feel like Justice Hill has taken has exceeded my expectations. But the Ravens don't have a breakaway star at running back. They don't. And um, they do have a superstar. I don't know if superstar is the right word. You have a budding star in Kyle Hamilton, and Geno Stone leads the league, you know, with – in, in interceptions, he's tied for the top. So to me, I, I think that I think that running back is a sneaky need. I really do. I think that with 
I, I, yeah, I, I think it is. So, but, but my point is, is what I was going to say is I don't think you can make it with trades. It's not as easy as, oh, you need help here. So go make a trade here. To me, what you want to do is you want to make a big time move like, like Roquan Smith. He wasn't on our radar. And it wasn't like people were like, oh, the Ravens absolutely need a middle linebacker. Obviously, it was yeah. a bit of a need, but it wasn't like this. No, but you got a superstar who transformed things. So to me, you don't say, I, I am here to see what Keaton Mitchell can do. But to me, it's like, oh, I don't want to hold off on Saquon because I want to see what we have in this undrafted rookie. That's not how I, that's not how I process it. To me, it's like if you have a chance at a superstar, and again, I'm not saying Saquon's it. He he is a superstar, but he's also been injured quite a bit. So I'm not saying you gotta like go get Saquon. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, to me, a midseason trade is for a is for a star. Go get somebody that you're gonna get cheap because another another team is now ready to give up on their season. To sure. me, that's what you go do. You don't just go get. Hey, can we get? a pretty good guy to, to get your need here. No, go get a star like Roquan, go get a Marcus Peters, go get those type of guys that whether you need it or not, they're a star and they're going for cheap because teams are starting to give up hope on their, on their own season. The last thing I'll say about this, just in terms of, again, we're, we're talking about acquisitions, not necessarily Saquon, right? You brought it up because Bart is the one that brought this to the forefront. I brought it up because we were talking about running backs and, and it was, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what concerns me is where the running back market is and what the Ravens are proving year in and year out. Justice Hill is a guy who's been developed in this system, right? They don't yeah. have a lot of cash tied up to justice. This guy, they, they developed him. They drafted him. Yes, they, I think they tendered him like within the last year or so, right? So he is a cheap, Running back, it, it, this high value for them right now, as we've seen though through six weeks, that's coming at a at a bargain for the team. If you're getting that kind of value, and I, I get it, he didn't do a ton today, but we've still seen that burst f- from him. We've still seen the ability to cut. He's a good a good blocker in the backfield, a special team ace. He's not like, a good blocker blocker in the backfield. He's not. That's what. Well, that's one of the reasons why he was pulled last week. His fumble and the, and the, and he's not. He was not a good blocker in the backfield. Recently, yes. Recently, he's not been. But are we gonna are we gonna label? I don't him know that, that he's known for his. I don't know if he's known for his block blocking in the backfield, but certainly not recently. Okay, I wouldn't so, say. I wouldn't say. Oh, Hill's the guy that you want in there protecting Lamar on third down. I. I that's Gus, not what yes. he's known for. Yeah. You, you, if it had to be a running back, obviously you're taking Gus. But my my point here is that I would rather them continue to do what they've been doing rather than spending big time money on a guy who, to your point, in Saquon has had injury history, sure looks like there's going to be guys being sold out in New York. I mean, they're they're a problem right now. But anyway. We got probably, derailed. Yeah, we got <laughs> derailed a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But but do you want to talk about Kyle Hamilton? Because this was sort of yeah. a, a big play in the game that got a lot of run on social media, right? Kyle was, was tossed from the game after a, a controversial hit, one that looked pretty tough on the replay in real time, whatever you want to call it. Uh, And he was tossed for a hit on Chris Moore. Let's go to him in the locker room just a short while ago. And Sarah, who was this courtesy of here? Jonah Schaefer. Okay. Uh, I was on the quarterback. Uh, Saw him throw the ball, driving on the ball, and then turned, looked at the receiver. Uh, Split second, hit him, tried to get the ball out. Um, You know, he came up, shaking up. Unfortunately, so praying for him. Hopefully, he's doing well. Um, he hopefully, he's back in um, a week or whatever when he comes back. But 
Yeah, I mean, like you said, nothing malicious about it. Um, from my perspective, wasn't trying to hurt him, wasn't trying to do anything bad, just trying to get the ball. So, Sarah, obviously Kyle was visibly frustrated. You probably have seen either in real time or the tweet as he's coming off the field with his helmet off. Very frustrating. Bang, bang play. Obviously nothing malicious about it as you heard it there from, from 14. Guy's got no history of doing such a thing. Uh, but But this one was tough. How do you look at it? Well, real quick, I just want to give some more um, reaction from the team. So John Harbaugh said that he understood the flag because there was helmet contact. Mm -hmm. uh, but he said he didn't get an explanation on the field of why he was ejected. And he said because the refs themselves didn't know why he was being ejected. That call came from New York. So Harbaugh said this is something new that I've seen. So oh, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it was. And if you couldn't see it live on because uh, you were in the stadium, but that was pretty clear. Uh, Gene Serrat, how do you say his last name? Sterrett. What's his last yeah. name? Yeah, Sterator. He came on and said the decision was from New York. Oh. Um, yeah, so there was that. And then Patrick Queen, you know, kind of backed up Kyle. He's like, he didn't think he needed to be uh, ejected. He said it wasn't intended. Um, and then he said, we're playing football at the end of the day. He tried to go for the ball and fell down. I think he meant the receivers falling. He goes, I know Kyle didn't do it intentionally to hit him in this head, but it's the sport we play, so now we got to adapt. So, Bobby, I had a little bit of time because – the, to Harbaugh's point, the rules on ejection, from what I can see, are extremely vague. Okay? Lots of people kept tweeting about the word targeting. It's so vague, the NFL doesn't even have a rule that's called targeting or any of the ejections with that. Okay, so I looked it up, and um, trying to bring it up here. Here we go. So in, in college football, there is a rule called targeting, but in the NFL rule book, and I went and looked at it, it's actually called just the, the helmet rule. Look at and this. We are in the weeds right now. I'm telling you, man, because <laughs> we need to be in the weeds because we just lost. You lose your starting safety who's all over the place in really the entire season. He's playing at a Pro Bowl level. And now he's ejected, and nobody quite knows the rules of why. Was it a, was it a, a nasty helmet to helmet? Absolutely. Um, so so what is the rules? How so? Because the point is, is how can the coach coach this to players, and how can players change so they know, you know, what what the degrees are here? And so basically, the rule it's just called the helmet rule. It's a foul if a player lowers his head and makes forcible contact with his helmet against an opponent. But it doesn't go into what's the difference between that, which is what he did. So that was for sure a flag. But how do you get ejected? And it says there is no mandatory ejection from this type of penalty. This is from, um, uh, shoot, I'm going to have to go back and find it. This is from a, a website, not not the, the, the rule book. But in the rule book, it doesn't explain the ejection either. It just basically says that when somebody gets called for a helmet, then it's New York, not even the the the, the officials who make it. So depending on the play, a player can be ejected. It is up to the discretion. It says officials and or, or New York, obviously. So that is new. So how do you decide if it's worth an ejection? I don't know. It doesn't say anything about intent in the rule book. It doesn't say anything about viciousness. It doesn't make a different differentiation. So to me, I feel bad for a guy like, well, first of all, I feel bad for Chris Moore. I hope he's doing well. That was a tough hit. It was helmet to helmet. Former Raven. Yep. A former Raven. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't, 
there was no anger there. And so you hope that he's doing well and you feel bad for him. You also feel bad for defenders because it's like, it's, it's to get thrown out of a game. It feels to get thrown out. It feels like something intentional needs to have happened. And I don't think that's, I mean, these guys are making these decisions within milliseconds and it's hard for a defender when, when a receiver catches a ball and they're falling to the ground as they're falling, you may have already launched. And so there could be, you know, incidental stuff, this and that. Anyway, it was a nasty hit. I hope Chris Moore is okay. But if I'm a coach or a player, I'd like to know what could get me a flag versus what could get me ejected. And I just don't see anywhere where that's clear up to this point. And maybe somebody in the comments can, or I'll learn throughout this week, but I don't know what the difference is. Well, I'll tell you what, if based on what you just displayed, if I'm a non-New York official, I'm also feeling a little vulnerable because of how unclear it doesn't seem like that's clear cut what you just put up on the screen. So if I'm I'm the official who's now essentially waiting for review or the ultimate call from New York, that puts me in a position where this is a bang, bang play. Kyle's going a hundred miles an hour, right? He's got zero history of anything malicious when it comes to the game of football. And so you, you put him in a position, you're right. When, when you, when you get tossed, when you get tossed from from a game, it, it seems as if there's like this cruel, vile, violent nature to you. Like that's not the case at all. So far, and I thought Kyle handled it really well. By yeah. the way, in that clip that John tweeted, you know, he stood up there. He, he said his best for for Chris and and whatnot. And we obviously extend our wishes to Chris as well. So, a uh, big play in the game. And then Sarah, the Ravens. You know that you lose Kyle, right? And then. Marcus Williams goes down. He's already hurt as it is. He's just trying to grind through this season far from 100%. And all of a sudden, you're thinking to yourself, well, who do they have at safety? Well, well, this is – go ahead. Well, you know who it is, a guy who's leading the league right now in interceptions with three in Geno Stone. Can we give this guy his flowers? Torrey Smith did already. Former Raven tweeted this out within the last couple hours. If you're a young player that wants to know what it means to take advantage of your opportunities when your number is called, just watch Geno Stone. And Geno, quote, tweeted him, much respect, some cool uh, past and present Raven, if you will. But uh, it, this guy is stepping up big, Sarah, and you get the sense that he's going to have to continue to do that uh, if these injuries – well, obviously Kyle's going to be back, but we don't know what Marcus's fate is right now. I didn't have a chance to watch the press conference. Was Harbs asked about anything? I, sh- I assume he didn't say anything. You mean injury-wise? Yeah. Yeah, he said he he was asked, all they can do is get x-rays, you know, on the road. Uh, so he's like, I just don't have any news on how serious stuff is. He's like, x-rays didn't really show us any degree of seriousness. Uh, so, you know, so there's nothing that, like, coming out of there looks like a season ender. It sounds like he never said that. That's what I'm inferring. Um so, but yeah, he's like, we're just gonna have to check it out when we get home. So, yeah. so yeah, Marcus Williams now on top of that chest is going to be dealing with the hamstring. He never returned. And oh. to your point, not only did Geno Stone come in, how crazy is it, by the way, that a non-starter is leading not just the Ravens, but leading the league in interceptions. He's tied at three. I mean, and then on top of it, with both Hamilton out and Williams, what do you do? You you move. Um, <laughs> Brandon Stevens, who's probably been the best Ravens cornerback through the first six games, 
This guy, as versatile as they come, he's like the Pat McCary, but on defense and starts. Um, so he moves to safety. Yeah. Gino, and so with him and Geno Stone, it's like, holy moly, the Ravens are actually still in pretty good hands with these two guys. And then Rock Yassin came in and he played opposite of Humphrey. I actually thought Rock played decent. I guess I need to look at all of it. I'm just remembering one play where I feel like he had a pass breakup in the end zone. It might have been against Hopkins. And so how fortunate are the Ravens that, my goodness, you you lose your two starting safeties, but they were still in, in decent shape um, with both of them. And before Marcus Williams went down, by the way, with his running around with one arm, he did whiff on one tackle to, to Henry, but almost everybody on the defense did on that long play. But Marcus Williams had that one sweet pass breakup. He's coming out there um, on, on Tannehill, so... Um, just unreal, Geno Stone. You're right. He deserves his flowers, and um, so does Brandon Stevens as far as I'm concerned. You know, I'm glad you brought up Brandon because I had a great look in the end zone at that flag that was picked up with DeAndre Hopkins, There, that single coverage, right? And, and Brandon just – I'm telling you, this guy is unafraid. Afraid. He's having a great season for this team. They need him badly right now to continue doing what he's doing because and, and and this has been several weeks he's starting to stack games Sarah like this guy's starting to develop within Baltimore's system right before our eyes and and that was not the case a year ago that was not the case two years ago but but credit Mike McDonald credit Brandon for his resolve if you guys are on Twitter over these last couple of years within the Ravens flock community you know that he's been one of the most dragged players probably alongside Patrick Queen and yet here we are. These guys are both completely on the opposite side of the spectrum right now. It's so great to see. PQ is a beast. Watching him play, Sarah, he's got so much spunk. I didn't realize that until I watched him in person today. I knew that, but it's it's a reminder. It comes back to the forefront of your yeah. mind. This guy knows that he's taken a big leap in his professional career. He's flying around. How about the tackle? How about the tackle on third down on Malik Willis? Remember, Malik is is sort of mm. like he's a shifty guy, right? Out of Liberty. I don't know if he's going to be a starting quarterback in this league. And he he, he was ent- he was entered into the game for for Tannehill, who oh man, I, I had a real good look too when Tannehill came up limping. He was in major pain. But um, but but I, I tell you, like it's I just we've talked about it so many times before. But the comeback story that we're watching right now with PQ is is fascinating. I know we both are just fired up for him. Well, I, I do think it's it's nice. I'm glad that you were like there to watch it in person because it's it's like you said, it's not like you learned it, but it's another thing. It's the same thing when I went and saw Zay Flowers for the first time in training camp. Like you know guys are shifty or you know PQ has spunk, but then you see it and it's like it pops out at you at another level (laughs) than it does on TV or when they're like a little bit more cool behind the microphone at pressers. Uh, But yeah, you mentioned PQ on that third down. That was massive. And he was totally bottled up. How he got out of that block to get that is, is unreal. But I want to, I want to take a look at the, the defense, the defense and the pass rush. It's hilarious. Cause I, you know, to me, it was one of the stories, the game, we're just now getting to it, but like the pass rush coming alive, was awesome to see. We know PQ had one sack. Justin Matabike was playing out of his mind. He ended up with four quarterback hits. Two of them were sacks. And then he had two tackles for loss. Homeboy is like 
<laughs> laying out of his mind, okay? Meanwhile, Jadavian Clowney, who in the first couple of games, we've seen him playing like his hair's on fire but didn't really close. Well, he closed today. He also had four quarterback hits, two of them being sacks. Also had two quarter or two tackles for loss. He just was like, it just seemed like he was everywhere. He just seemed like he was like pumping nonstop. Kyle Van Noy, he got a sack. He also got that pass deflection uh, at the line of scrimmage, which was huge. So it was a total of six sacks. And Bobby, coming into this week, the Ravens were number two in the league in sacks. And most of it had been, it was, I believe, Kyle Hamilton, yeah, led led the team. But now that it's coming from the front line, that's pretty nice. That's really nice. So I thought it was hilarious. Jeff Zrebeck doesn't usually tweet like this. <laughs> you know exactly love where this. I'm going. <laughs> I just love it because we love Jeff so much, right? And I hope he doesn't take offense to this, but but sometimes his personality can come across as just just slightly dry, right? Whether it's a dry humor, whether it's just him, his personality, yeah. and he's nothing. He, when you get to know him, he's far from it, but he just comes across that way sometimes. And, and so this is great. Go ahead. I love but he's, tr- he's trying to be objective and he is. That's why we all appreciate Jeff. He's so, he's so objective, but sounds like his, his, his uh, internet was going out and he was having to tweet from his phone trying to keep up. And so like some of the stuff that was coming through, was like, okay, this one was the best. Matabike rings that cash register again, period. That's it. I'm assuming that came in. I'm pretty sure it came in after one of those Matabike sacks. Yeah, but yeah. Matabike, I was looking at him, Bobby, when he was coming out from um, – when he came out for the pressure. Yeah. Dude is built like a truck. Like yeah. his his neck and then his shoulder muscles are just, uh, just like rocks up there. I'm just like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. Um, just I got so that good. hardball but then, clip, by the way. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, on Clowney. Good, good. Let's hear it. Yeah, because because yeah. Clowney deserves deserves his praise too. Right, and and just to set it up, right? Like, what has Jadavian been so far this year since they brought him in uh, towards the end of training camp? Right, he's been a guy who's been disruptive. He's brought a mm-hmm. ton of pressure, but he hasn't finished consistently enough for our liking. I'm sure for not for his his own liking, for the coach's liking, whatever. But he's been disruptive. He and Van Noy have made a great tandem on the other side of thirty, which is a great story. But today, he did finish, like you said, in that stat line. And here's his head coach talking about it. Such a great question. I mean, you know, he's a guy that we didn't necessarily expect to have at the beginning of the season. We've been playing against him all these years. Always admired the way he played. His energy level, you can see it. I mean, the dreads are flying everywhere, right? And he's throwing his body around. Had the sacks today. Had the run stops today. Been a great addition to our team. I think he's another guy that was always a Raven and didn't know it until he got here. And I'll just add, the rest of the pass rush, too. Justin Matabike had a, did a great job. Kyle Van Noy did a great job. I thought uh, Michael Pierce and Broderick Washington were pushing the pocket really well. So just a lot of guys stepped up with that. So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays, and mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, 
Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward slash Ravens. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And Harb said it too. He didn't expect this guy to be here. Did any of us expect Jadavian Clowney, who's sort of been popping around since his days in Houston, to be in Baltimore in 2023? I certainly did not. Uh, but but he has been a welcome sight for this team, especially now that we know Adafe Owe you know, has missed a chunk of games here. And, and hopefully he'll be able to get back at some point in the near future, Sarah. But But to have that extra insurance, if you will, important. It's unreal because he's saying he didn't know Jadavian was. They were trying to to like they were obviously flirting with one another, both Jadavian Clowney and Kyle Van Noy. And you always thought, okay, which one's going to bite first? That's the one the Ravens will get. And the fact that they got both probably because of early season injuries. Uh, and I, 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 from what I understand, Odafe Owe is is nearing a return, yes. uh, at least to practice, and then we'll see from there. Um, but, but whoa, the value the Ravens got just like last, it's like it with, it's like on the defensive side, whether it was in the secondary or in the pass rush, I feel like the Ravens have been, are now so fortunate with depth because of those early injuries. It's unreal. Speaking of Jadavin, he did all that despite complaining about how bad the turf was. I know that you said you tweeted, I won't steal your, your thunder there, but Jadavin Townley Clowney told Jeff that the turf was terrible and said he was slipping early and then had to change his cleats it obviously worked what did you see out on the field well you know I didn't want to make this more of a story than it had to be but when Von uh-huh. Miller former Super Bowl MVP Bills standout goes on the Pat McAfee show and essentially says that the London turf was the worst he's ever played on something to <laughs> that like paraphrasing that it becomes yeah. a story and it did become a story and it's something that we discussed on the various pregame shows that I've had in recent days and so all I tweeted was essentially just a couple observations, one of which was was from Lamar Jackson showing visible frustration. Remember, he could have had probably 40 more yards today on the ground if he hadn't tripped on a couple of occasions. Now, I don't know if trip's the right word. I saw one that was literally like right in our end zone that we were in, and I was mm-hmm. just to give you an idea, I was in the end zone that they opposite the locker room side that they were driving to in the second half. So I had a great look at a couple of these. But I noticed one at one point in the third quarter, he had such a hole that he would typically just run away with, but he mm-hmm. slipped. He just straight up slipped. Like there was no defender anywhere near him. And I, it was funny. He did his classic, you know what he does when he hits the floor, when he realizes, when he hits the turf in this case, 
when he realizes what just happened, he slams his hands, right? He's so <laughs> upset because he thinks every run can go to the house, which I'm sure he's not wrong. But um, but then he says something to the official as if the official is the one that's putting the turf together. It was it was pretty funny. <laughs> so anyway, so I just noticed that he wasn't the only one who who not only was slipping, but who did not seem thrilled with with the overall quality. And we know from from our own conversations leading up to the weekend, that was a big topic of conversation around the league this week. I am honestly um, happy that nobody came out injured, an injury that seemed to be due to the turf. Right. It seems like uh, I'm not sure what happened to Williams. I saw somebody tweet that somebody fell on him after the Geno Smith return when they, he was blocking. So I, so I didn't see it. I didn't see it personally. I just saw that tweeted. So I, I didn't want to, I don't, I can't confirm that, but you think you saw that. Yeah. So that wasn't a turf thing. And then um, I don't know what happened to urban, but it sounds like a neck thing. So I don't think that's turf. So I know OBJ was obviously nervous going into it, which I understandably with his injury history. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wonder about that Nelson Aguilar one. I need to go back and look at that. Ooh. I couldn't tell if like, I think actually maybe a, a Titan got him, but he almost broke one. Free. And by the way, I forgot to say this on offense. You shouldn't have to say this, but thank you for not dropping any balls today. Wide receivers, yeah. like, yeah. well, you know, we 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 pounded that pretty pretty badly all last week. They were definitely made fun of. Um, yeah. you know, kind of jabbed out with memes and stuff like that, you know, and we, you know, we had a little bit of fun with that ourselves, nothing <laughs> malicious, but you know, just like, Hey, let's hold on to the ball. So one yeah. last thing on, on, on defense that I want to get to, and then I do want to dig in a little bit more on, on these referees, but, um, Oh, you, you just moved. There we go. Uh, here we go. This one right here might have been my favorite play of the game, at least in terms of like trying to outwit your opponent. The one where Roquan Smith, the Titans are trying to move the ball. There's about, I don't know, 210, 215 when the play starts. And there's a completion. And uh, Roquan Smith doesn't touch the guy. He catches the ball while he's on the ground. And all Roquan has to do is touch him. But Roquan is like, just stands above him. The whistles aren't blowing. The guy can't just sit there because... The, the referees aren't blowing the whistle because Roquan hasn't touched him. And Roquan's like, <laughs> because he knows that we're almost to the two-minute warning and doesn't want to give them an extra timeout. So the Titan finally starts to get up, and then Roquan just blasts him going right <laughs> down. And, like, he ruined it. They couldn't they – couldn't, they, they went to the two-minute warning. I thought that was absolutely superb, superb. Spencer Schultz – says Roquan Smith is processing the game at a different level than 99% of the people that play. <laughs> I mean, that play the sport. I mean, it is the, the, the level we've had him on the show, obviously before. And I've asked him like, are you able to know what's going on? We a play before it even happens. And he's like, not all the time, but mostly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this guy is so alert. He could be the game clock manager for the Ravens, Bobby <laughs> on offense, but he's busy on defense. That just an unreal veteran savvy smart high iq play i love dj burke chiming in in the live chat roquan's playing 4d chess yeah just about <laughs> and mr trace bn agent zero was on genius level iq on that play took time off the clock and could have possibly popped the ball out brilliant as they say in england it was brilliant it was brilliant sarah he I love the way that Spencer kind of summed it up too. It's the processing, it's the diagnostic, like it, it's, it's seeing things before they happen, knowing certain situational awareness. Like that's not a film study thing. 
that's just like uh, knowing the game. Like that's knowing yeah. how to play the game of football and seeing things before they happen. Uh, it, Agent Zero was so much fun to watch in person for the first time ever for me. Uh, it's, it's, it's very much like PQ. I know I was kind of getting fired up a couple minutes ago about him and how excited he is to watch, but we already know that about Roquan and just seeing them together. It's been a lot of fun before we get to this, Michael, we got to finish up the officiating, I think. And we got in order to do so, we got to talk about the roughing the passer call. And I'm going to do air yep. quotes that, but, but Sherry, Sherry reminds us, I don't think, did we mention Justin Tucker in the beginning or no? Uh, I mentioned special teams. Okay. Duvernay and Tucker very briefly. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're making our way around. Yeah. But Sherry, we thank should you do for it bringing be- it We should do it before we, uh, we complain about, I guess the refs. Cause that's what I was about to do, but I've got a slide here yeah. on Justin Tucker. Might as well do it now. Here we go. Um, <laughs> thank you for the reminder, Sherry. We were yes. definitely getting there, but we should have gotten there before. Sooner. Shouldn't we have? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so Justin Tucker, obviously six field goals. Um, uh, To be honest, every time, I mean, it was frustrating that the Ravens weren't getting it into the red zone. But once it came down to a fourth down decision, almost every time I yelled at the TV, take the points, take the points, take the points, take the points. So, and that's what John Harbaugh did. I mean, obviously, um, I think there was the one where they punted and then he ended up muffing the punt. I think that's one that... uh, People could have. People were like, "Wait, why not just try out Tucker and try to try to get this?" But ended up, you know, in hindsight, ended up being the right call because he muffed it. And then there was one second left on the clock before halftime, and the Ravens got Tucker got a much easier one from I think twenty yards out rather than it being like a fifty something. So Sarah, anyway, did you see the clip of the guy who muffed it with DeAndre Hopkins on the sideline. Did you see that? I what do you refer? I mean, I saw it. It seemed like he just messed it up. But what happened well, with D Hop? Well, no, not the actual play itself. After the play, right? The guy who muffs oh. it, the punt returner for Tennessee, goes to sit down on the bench. And D-Hop is sitting down on the bench. And as he sits down, the punt returner, yeah. D-Hop literally gets up and walks away as if he's in disgust. as Pure oh. disgust. It's, going, it's, it's viral all over the place. And it's so obvious that he wanted nothing to do with being next to him that he got up and walked away. I was like, really, dude? Like... I know it's been frustrating so far in Tennessee this year, but dang. <laughs> D-Hop should have come to the Ravens instead, but hey. <laughs> I don't know if he actually had an opportunity. But, uh, no, I didn't see that. I'm glad you explained that. That's that's uh, that's tough. I guess getting up and walking away is better than, like, you know. <laughs> lashing out. <laughs> yeah, lashing out. So I guess we'll give him that. But, anyway, back to Tucker. Uh, so he had six field goals. It was the first time that he had four ever in his career in the first half alone. Uh, that again, speaks to how much the offense was moving the ball, but also speaks to how they couldn't get into the end zone, which again, Bobby, it's so frustrating to me. This is supposed to be Tucker's moment. I'm so sorry. I keep getting derailed. I already talked about this, but when you have Lamar Jackson, it just seems like you've got to do better in the red zone. I I just, uh, one in six, one of six, 17%. Yeah, they got to get back on. Eighty percent was yep. was beautiful, and maybe you can't expect that all the time. But to get oh one in six, all right. Anyway, Justin Automat took what yep. um, had his second career game with six field goals. That's according to ESPN stats and info. This is a tweet by Jamison Hensley. He's the only Ravens player with six field goals in a single game in team history. It was the first time anybody in London kicked that much. Um, and so, yeah, I think those are all the the records with it. He doesn't care if it's artificial grass. He doesn't care if it's Bermuda. He doesn't care if it's turf. 
JT9 is going to go out there and do what he does time and time again. And they needed uh, every single one, no, not every single one of those, but they needed just as much as they can get from Justin. We wanted to also discuss just so that we can kind of wrap up the Oops. officiating. And while we do that, I mean, look, if the officiating, yes, had its, its controversies, no question. But as you mentioned at the top, the Ravens as a team were penalized nine times negating 88 yards. That stuff's got to get cleaned up. Some of this stuff can be criticized, dissected like we've already done, including this. Look, I had a great look at this, okay? Michael Pierce, what else can you expect him to do? Right? He's getting pushed all game long. I mean, look long. at Tannehill. Tannehill's arm is just coming down from passing it. Yes. What? And you can't see it because it's a still grab. We can't use – we can only use all 22, which is not out yet. But, yep. Bobby, you can't see it. When they fell to the ground, he didn't, like, dig – because that's another thing you can call it on. It's not like he, like, put his weight into Tannehill when nope. they fell. Like, he quickly let go and rolled off. Yep. Uh, he's got his shoulder. He's at the midsection. It's not like it was late. He's still finishing the process of throwing. Like, what else is he supposed to do? Nothing. Nothing. Right? It's It's – we get it. It's bang bang plays. These officials have hard jobs, and it's easy to say and critique in our in our seats. But there's nothing else he he could have possibly done better on this play. You know, forward momentum is a thing. Guess what? Gravity is a thing when you're 300 plus pounds, nose tackle. And that's what Michael Pierce is. He did everything right. He was dealing with Derrick Henry all day long, and then Sarah, you knew you knew that that gift for Tennessee would turn into something positive. Well, the next play, yeah, D, D. Henry goes. King Henry, they call him, I guess, goes for what, 40-plus yards or whatever it was? <laughs> he took him into the red zone. I know that. Yeah, so that was a tough swing. At that point, Sarah, I'm thinking to myself, here we go. That's the swing that Tennessee needed, right? Well, You're there was yourself, that. Here we go again. There was that, the interception, because the defense held strong and only ended up giving three points, which is just – Amazing that they did that after they called this ridiculous call and let and let the Titans back. It shouldn't even have been a big play by by Henry. But then they stand tall, hold it to three points. But then there was the interception, and that was the only touchdown. So I mean, to John Harbaugh's point, because John Harbaugh said most first downs that were given up were on penalties, and I was like, let me go check this out because that is in the game book. He was right. Almost half. Almost. Half of the Tennessee Titans' first downs were from penalty. <laughs> that is crazy good defense. If if everything again, is, part of it's being cleaned up. I thought that the the um the pass interferences were soft. I didn't I didn't agree. I the ones at the very end, I need to go back and look. I couldn't dissect those as much, but early in the game, I thought they were soft. And then the one thing I will say where the Ravens had it going their way was. Uh, when um, Jeffrey Simmons, okay, the, the, Odell Beckham Jr. drew the, the the flag on that. Odell maybe have gotten away with something because he did seem to like oh, either kick did. or like he, yeah or I knee. Watched. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you saw it, yeah, yeah. So yeah. so OBJ got away with with one there, but it's always the retaliator that gets more. OBJ, <laughs> why did he do that? It's exactly what I've been calling for. I'm not, I didn't call for any kicks, okay? I'm not looking for that. <laughs> but I have been calling for this. I'm like, where on offense is PR? I want to see the offense have each other's back. So when Lamar got his leg held onto for too long against the Colts, where's your teammates? So what happened here is, is Zay Flowers is wrapped up by two other Titans, and then Simmons came in, and he came in low. 
it could have been bad. He also hurt his own teammate. Like, look at his own teammate in there almost looking like. So that anyway, what I like. good right there. That right no, ankle. No, see that right luckily, there? Yeah. Yeah, no, it looks bad. I mean, or a knee could have given out. I mean, it looks bad. He came in. And so I like that OBJ's coming in being like, get off my guy in Zay Flowers. I like that. Now, maybe you can come in without kicking him, but we, the OBJ, Ravens. OBJ, listen I think to you, Sarah. OBJ listened to you a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that's exactly it, I'm sure. Um I'm sure all the Ravens players are listening to the vault daily as they're going into their commutes, Bobby. In my mind, in my mind, that's what's happening, right? So uh, I like that OBJ was having his back, and but I do think he got I think this is the only play though where the Ravens kind of got away for one. Whereas whereas I feel like the refs gifted so many to the Titans. Just because we're talking about Jeffrey Simmons here, who was involved in this. Remember, you got to remember who we're dealing with here. One of the most prideful, humble, respected guys to ever suit up in the NFL by the name of Marshall Yonda in his final press conference post-game ever after a decorated career said to reporters, I'll never forget it, in 2019 after the early playoff exit, he said to reporters that Jeffrey Simmons spat in his face. That's what I remember about Jeffrey Simmons. I didn't realize it was Simmons. I'm glad you made that connection. Yep. So it's hard to forget. How do you spit in somebody's face? I mean, I know sometimes it happens here and there, but in the NFL, it's not like an uncommon thing that you never hear about. But to Marshall Yonda, please. All right, here. I think that's everything I've got. Do we want to take a couple questions or is anybody calling in? What do we? I know you also got to go. Um, well, you know, we're here, we're here in London. I just wanted to shout out uh, Luke Eli, who's sitting off to my left here. He's one of our patrons, Sarah, who uh, not only he and his wife, Lindsay, made this shirt, but they've been supporting woo. us from the jump. They were one of our OG patrons. So pretty cool. Love it. Uh, police officer back home in the Baltimore area. So great to have him on board here with BMR around 10. And I got to say, and you see Pat Ricard's tweet here, right? He said, you know, felt like a home game in London with how loud the Ravens flock were a very cool experience to be with the squad in London for a week and to play a game in Europe and Kyle Van Noy checking in. I think he gets it. He gets that emoji. Yes, sir. The purple devil emoji is the one you use, Kyle. He, he's known that from the jump uh, on the real though. Ravens fans be traveling, traveling. They were loud across the pound and we on to Detroit at the crib with the devil emoji. That's Kyle Van Noy checking in after another disruptive game for him. But, uh, but I just got to say, you know, this has been a really moving experience for me, Sarah, you know, how much I love travel. I know how much you love travel. And so to do it with a a great company and be more around town and to meet folks from not only the UK Ravens, I had a chance to meet our buddy, James Ogden, who we had on the NFL draft coverage back in April from UK Ravens. It was great to get to know him. You can follow him at NFL Ogden, but Sarah, they put on an incredible, outing and party yesterday at get this what are the odds my brother who flew in from rome is in his hostel it's connected to the party where the uk ravens are throwing it i'm like what 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 are the chances london's huge so it it was just these guys are so prideful they love their ravens and to be in it i thought i was in federal hill I, i walk into belushi's and it's as if it's a game day in Federal Hill. There's Ravens games everywhere. Or uh, I'm sorry, Ravens jerseys everywhere. They're re-airing the Super Bowls. I'm literally <laughs> watching the 2000 Super Bowl on 15 TVs. You got people from Scotland, England, Germany, Iceland. Like a lot of these people that call into our show, I got to meet in person. It, it was just a very rewarding 
fulfilling couple days. And uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed kind of, if you didn't have a chance to come, my goal was to, to ho- make you feel like you were here. And, and hopefully I did a little bit of that. That's awesome. I, Cause I saw you tweet that you found your brother and I was like, wait, you didn't tell me that you had plans to meet up with your brother, but it sounds like it wasn't like pre-planned. Did I never tell you that? No, we oh, got man, too much was... going on. We don't, we don't make it over everything, but I was happy no. to see you reunite with him. Yeah. Our lives are crazy. My brother, John, mm-hmm. as some of you know, cause I've been talking about it forever. He actually came on the stream this morning, pregame, which was like 6am your time probably. But, but John is here. He's studying abroad in Rome. And so he and his buddy flew in on Friday morning and we've been hanging out and doing a bunch of sightseeing this weekend. So, so yeah, it was just great. You know, Derek Mason, Sarah came on the program last night. It was simulcast across all of our channels. And I just really appreciated not only his expertise, obviously, as one of the, you know, statistically speaking, one of the greatest Ravens wide receivers to ever come through Baltimore. Uh, but he just had such glowing things to say about Zay. Maybe we can go back and revisit that. I'll cut some things up coming up this week. Yeah, I was going to say, what was your big takeaways? Well, yeah. We could probably build a – we might even be able to build an episode around it. I mean, I'll go back and listen. But but I, my biggest takeaway was that he was very aware that some of his records – may no longer be intact if Zay sticks around. <laughs> that was pretty cool. <laughs> so I love that. I hope I hope he's right. Let's let's get this going. Yeah. And Jameson just brought this up about OBJ. You know, uh he, man, I'm sure the team I'm sure glad the team picked J- up OBJ. Jameson a follower, not Jameson Hensley, just to, for the audio only people. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Jameson Colt yeah. from my Facebook. He's super active on there all the time. Uh, I'm sure glad the team picked up OBJ at twice the price of an available Adam Thielen, who I believe went to Carolina. Is he in Carolina? I think Carolina. I'm not second guessing. I've said this from day one. Well, you, I, it's funny. You, you know, the vocal minority, Sarah, has been talking a lot about OBJ recently, right, about his lack of availability and and trying to essentially make these big statements. I, on the pregame show today, I said, look, there's a place and a time for all that, that conversation. It's not now, in my opinion. It's not now. I think it's a couple months from now in terms of, to me, they brought him in for two reasons, and I'd love to get your thought on this. They brought him in for two reasons. One, obviously the impact that his signing had on Lamar's eventual extension. One. Two, they need him in December and January. That Those are my thoughts. Obviously, there's other reasons. There's other factors that led to it. But to me, that's that's tier one and tier two. How about you? I agree with that. Um, at the same time, I, I feel like those who see the $18 million price tag, I think it's fair for them to be like, okay, we got you. Like, you know, I, I, I agree with you that to have the full story of whether the signing was worth it, that's probably not until we see what happens in, in January and, and maybe beyond. Um, but I still think it's fair for people to be like, $18 million? Can we get a little bit more with incentives? With incentives. (laughs) With it, yeah, with 18 million with incentives. What was it? 15 million guaranteed, Guaranteed. something like that. But it's but it certainly was was uncharacteristic for the Ravens to pay that much. So if they're gonna go out of their way to do that for a receiver, I think it's fair to be like, hey, can we get some more? Uh, but I think you're right to 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 know for sure whether it was worth it in the end. I think we have to do those two two big things, look at those two big things at the end. Thanks to those of you who've dropped in some some super chat donations, Scott Brigham, Robbie, and uh, I guess Maurice with an X in the middle of it. <laughs> Appreciate all you guys for for donating and, and supporting us. And how about me getting dragged by our guy David on Facebook? 
Facebook. <laughs> hey, Bobby, did the Ravens deserve to win today? <laughs> is he is he dragging you or me? Because I've seen other people come back and be like, Bobby was right. They didn't deserve it. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Listen, the little that I know virtually, David, he's dragging me. Oh, okay. uh, he's, he's dragging me right now. Yes, yes. <laughs> but but no i saw earlier david thought we were being soft on the coaches too um david always has opinions yeah yeah no that's that's a common that's a common uh critique of ours for sure i do i i said it before i do feel like munkin's got to figure out uh the red zone obviously uh i felt like he overreacted to last week people saying he didn't run enough i felt like maybe he did a little too much this time again 2020 all of that and it's it's kind of a um the word i think it's like a superficial critique oh you should have ran or you should have or, or you should have passed it's just very superficial uh because you could dig into the plays and really do uh the film breakdown which i'm sure we'll do throughout the week but but regardless when you have lamar jackson uh i feel like you have to be better than one in six in the red zone the other critique i have of of todd munkin specifically is that i feel like he comes out hot like, there's no doubt he's got the first two series for the offense scripted, and boy, do the scripts look good. And he's got them moving moving between the 20s, right? But what the heck keeps happening in the third quarter? You know what I mean? Like, can can you keep it up? So that's my critique of Munkin. In terms of, of John Harbaugh, I think that – and what I'm trying to – because I'm trying to look at a blind spot. I, I, I do think I'm biased for John Harbaugh. I really do like him. But I have reached out to people that I trust who are uh, more frustrated. I think Skeptic Goat is one of them who I've had on the show before. Um, when you were out, I think I did it a, a while back during the Lamar Jackson contract situation. From what I understand is that it's there's a few things you could critique on Harbaugh, but one that I'm understanding the most is that uh, maybe he gets a little too conservative. Conservative when you have the lead, like keep keep the 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 foot on the gas, so to say. And so it's kind of more old school that once you get a lead, you kind of want to protect it. So I could understand that critique for sure. In terms of whether or not to like take the points or be aggressive, I thought most overall, I felt like, again, before he even made the decision, I was like, take the points, take the points, take the points. So, but yeah, I would like to see, like once you get this lead, both Munkin and Harbaugh, can we keep it going on offense? Like let's keep going and just stuff this down their throats uh, so that's one critique that I can't agree with for sure. Want to be sure to shout out two of our returning patrons. These guys are supporting everything we do here inside the channel through Patreon this month. So Chris Gagnon, Jaron Fonville, thank you both for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore and beyond. Literally, the term is beyond right now. As you can see, it is dark. I am in London. If you're just tuning in and you haven't been made aware of my travel schedule. And just so you know, I will be here through Wednesday afternoon. So I'll be back in Baltimore early Wednesday evening. So Sarah and I will be operating on this five-hour time change for the first half of this week. So just bear with us. We'll probably be doing some odd recording times just to try and keep life like somewhat normal. But we're obviously going to have a full week of reaction content and obviously get ready for the Detroit Lions who come to town on Sunday the 22nd. And remember, mark your calendars accordingly because at halftime, Terrell Suggs takes his rightful place. He will be forever immortalized as a member of of the Ravens ring of honor. So we have that to look forward to. Let's go around the, the AFC North quickly here. I was just about to say, uh, we're about, we got about, I don't know if it's live when I'm looking at my TV, 49 seconds left Cleveland versus San Francisco. Cleveland's up by two. And that's, there was some pregame antics there. I don't know if you saw 
a lot of what happened there, but there was a major, major brawl. I don't know if brawl is the right word, but lots of scuffles pregame in that. And Trent Williams absolutely decked somebody. Like it was an insane pregame. It looked like a rugby game. But anyway, so that's what's going on there. Cleveland is trying to close out San Francisco, which would be a major, major upset. Pittsburgh is on its bye week, and Cincinnati took care of Seattle 17-13. to Did you see what DK Metcalf did in that game? No. He took a dude. Let me see who it is for Cincy. I saw the clip. DK literally took Cam Taylor Britt by the face mask and like, just go just go like Twitter search it. It's insane aggression that cost his team from a personal oh. foul standpoint. It's, oh, it's Bobby. Like almost suspension worthy. Sorry to interrupt you. 49ers are trotting out their kicker to try to do, get a game winning field goal with nine seconds left. We got to stick. We got to okay, stick, yeah. stick with this. But no, I will Google that for sure. That sounds insane. Oh, it's terrible. Right. I would not be surprised if he gets slapped with a game or two. Here we go. He's lining up. This is a 41-yard attempt. Fourth quarter, nine seconds left. I think this is – oh, they call the timeouts ice, of course. We need to end this show. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. All yeah, right. Cameron so... Walker checking in the live chat. No doubt we've covered yeah. this. You know, red zone offense has to be better. No question about it. Uh, ha- has to be more consistent. You know, like you said, you said it earlier on. It's, they were one of the best in that category through the first month of the season but uh, have definitely stalled in the last couple of weeks for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Robbie, here we go. Robbie, who also hit a super chat. Anyone else worried about the scoring doldrums we get into? Regardless, great win. Yeah, I think we've definitely expressed those doldrums. <laughs> definitely. Um, it, it's it's got to be better, especially against an opponent like like Se- uh, Seattle. They will play Seattle later on in the season, but but Detroit, we know they're no joke. Okay, he's coming back out. Here we go. He's play by about play. to kick it. He oh, <laughs> You're joking. Words. Cleveland just beat Cleveland San Fran. just beat him. He had he had the distance. He had the space. His his line kept up and it just kept traveling to the right. I I got my R and W mixed up on the two wor- words. Wide right, not Ride white. <laughs> so wait a second. I can't so, believe Cleveland. And I'm pretty sure Deshaun Watson didn't play, right? So snap Deshaun, looks good. Lace wow. is out. He just he just he's about a yard to the right. Oh no way. Cleveland just of course. The AFC North, man, I'm telling you, it's gonna go back and forth all year. So how about this? Not that he did a ton today, but clearly enough to win the game. But former XFL quarterback P.J. Walker leads Cleveland to a victory over San Fran to hand him its first loss. That's unbelievable. And that now puts the AFC North. I'm telling you, it's a week-to-week league. Everybody's laughing about this division a week or two ago. Now, with Pittsburgh on the bye, you have the Ravens atop the division at 4-2. and the Browns just improved to three and two. Steelers are on their bye. They stick at three and two. And Cincy, as my light just falls off the computer, great. That's when you know it's supposed to be. It literally just fell and I think like almost smashed the tea glass. Okay. It's almost time to finish this up. But Cincy yeah, is now 
since he just improved to three and three. So if you don't think this division is going to be decided in week 17 or 18, I, I don't know what I got for. I think this thing's coming down to the wire. This is going to be one of the best, most evenly balanced divisions when it's all said and done in January. And I can't wait to see how much it all unfolds. Ooh, man, Bobby, it's funny because I really think the Browns defense is no joke. The Ravens ended up winning that, you know, pretty convincingly. I felt like on the road. That's when, like, we were at the height of happiness in, in this season when the Ravens beat them convincingly and thinking we were going to go into Pittsburgh and do the same thing. So, whoo, this wow. is going to be a season. It's it's a week-to-week league. Uh, I would, I'm glad the, the, the 49ers aren't undefeated or not undefeated anymore, but I surely didn't want that to come to the hands of the Browns. My goodness. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Remember, Baltimore will see San Francisco Christmas weekend coming up in December. So this is uh, right. that's a no-joke team. I know some of you think that they're frauds or whatever. Or Brock is a system quarterback or this, that, and the other. But they win a lot of games, and they got the playmakers to do so. So anyway, I just one closing thought for me. Uh, first of all, it always takes two to tango. You know, and, and you, you've been a heck of a partner we're always doing things that that allow for us to have flexibility and creative freedom, whether it's you traveling abroad, whether it's you popping down to Florida for a girls weekend, whether it's me in London, hanging out with family. Uh, I just really appreciate our friendship, our partnership, and the mutual understanding that we have of the things that we enjoy in life. And so I'm just feeling a lot of gratitude right now. I've met so many people over the last couple of days. I'm on an adrenaline high. It, it's it's great to be traveling with Be More Around Town. I I, you know, just, just thank you, you know, thanks to everybody for popping on and you too, partner. So we'll we'll be back on Tuesday, won't we? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You already know that the feelings are mutual. This is an excellent, excellent, uh, partnership, co-hosting business partner, all of it, man. It's, it's awesome. Glad you're having a blast. I always love how you live it up. You have a, as I've (laughs) said to you before off camera, you have a hunger for life. Gratitude is certainly linked to happiness, and you are certainly one of the happiest people I know. So enjoy yourself before you come. Have and I will tell blast. you this. I hope you haven't had FOMO. I know you've been busy as heck throughout the weekend, but I just want to tell you that a lot of your fans are here in London, okay? Our oh, fans, yes, but there are a lot of Sarah Ellison fans here in town, <laughs> and I've, I've really enjoyed getting to know them and uh, talking you up a little bit. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, my FOMO, my FOMO meter, I don't think has ever gotten above 5% to 100. <laughs> I just, that's just not me. <laughs> and it's not because she doesn't want to be here. It's more like she's just so present. You're just such a present person. And, and you also, you know, you're a little bit of an introvert, I would say. Right. <laughs> I, I think I'm a pretty good mix. I think I'm a, I'm, I think I'm a straight 50, 50, to be honest. Good. You can play yeah. both sides. Always. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, thanks so much. I know it was an odd time for everybody just because it's like what? It's it's like mid-afternoon over there right now or late afternoon. So thank you guys, 400 plus of you for popping on. If you haven't already done so and you've been enjoying the content, please consider subscribing to both the Vault and the Bobby Baltimore YouTube channels. It's daily content in different formats, in different types of uh, um you know, uh, content wise. So we're going to be bringing it. This is obviously your Monday morning vault for the audio only side of things. And we will be back for a Tuesday morning vault, which I'm sure will be filled with plenty of reaction. Let's see what ESPN's got up its sleeve this week. (laughs) We'll be ready for it. 
Special thanks to my, my one guest here who, who's been watching <laughs> us, Luke Eli, one of our patrons. He and his wife, Lindsay, put this together. We will have more information in the coming months about how we can start to uh, build sort of the merch line for the vault. I know a lot of folks have been asking for it for a while. So we will we will get you more information on that when it's all finalized. So for my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett, or as somebody told me earlier today, Bobby Britton. We're signing off from London. We love you guys, and thanks so much for popping on today's post-game live.